Welcome to The Edge by MGR with your host, David Gill. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Edge podcast by MGR, your host, David Gill here. Hope everybody's having a fantastic week. As always, I certainly am. Today, I'm excited for today's episode, actually. Um, I want to talk about Apple. I haven't talked about Apple in a little bit. It used to feel like I had a weekly segment on Apple, but I haven't talked about them in a while. But obviously, they had their big conference last week. I said on the last episode that I will be giving full in-depth analysis of the strategy and thinking behind whatever Apple displays. And I'm actually impressed in a way, and I have some things to say that I have not seen. I mean, obviously, you know... Whenever they have these events, everybody gives their opinions on it. But I haven't really seen anybody uh, take the angle that I'm going to or or say the things that I'm going to say, which is surprising because it, it was kind of obvious to me. But, hey, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'll get into that in a second. As always, um, if you are not listening to the other podcasts on this channel or podcast feed you need to be. We have some great interviews that are already up. We have more interviews coming soon. And of course, the weekly monologues on tech, business, and health, which by the way, Apple is getting into health too. So it it, it all works out. Tech, business, and health. Anyways, let's talk about what Apple is really thinking with their new conference ventures. You ain't got no money, I ain't got no time. All these faces looking funny when I'm driving by. So for me, the biggest thing is the Apple Watch. But I'm going to get into, I have a whole uh, spiel on the Apple Watch. But before we get into the Apple Watch, let's talk about the phones for just a second. So the the flagship phones, the X, or not XS, the 10s and the 10s Max, uh, not not much new there, right? I don't think anybody was really surprised. It was kind of what we were expecting. I talked about, you know, there were leaks about a month ago. Bigger screen, okay, came with a bigger screen. Gold phone, gold phone. Not really anything new. It's it's you know the the upgrade from the previous generation. It, they always do this, right? You had the five, then the 5s, the six, the 6s. So it's kind of the middle gap. It's for the people who didn't upgrade to the 10 and are still with their you know, maybe 6S or the iPhone 7, whatever, and they're ready for an upgrade, they can get the 10S. Um, and then it's also for the people who want the bigger screen, who maybe already have a 10, but they want the 10S Max and they want the big screen. So it's for those people. Not a whole lot to talk about there. I think, the, yeah, there's just not much to be said. The iPhone 10R though, is exactly to the T what I said the phone would be I don't know, probably two months ago now. Um, I had a discussion about two months ago about iPhone and Apple and their their ventures in India and that there are three major or four major things that the Indian consumer cares about in the phone. One being dual SIMs, the ability to switch carriers very easily. Well, the iPhone XR, XR has that. They want a bigger screen. The 10R is a bigger screen than the 10. They want a lower price. It's 750 instead of the $1,000 price range. And they don't care that much about the camera. As long as the camera is decent, it's not a big deal to them. And guess what? Apple went a little lower on the camera. It's still a 12 megapixel camera. still really good. It's just not obviously the, you know, it doesn't have the two lenses. It only has the one uh, compared to the 10. Um, so yeah, they, they did 
pretty much exactly what I said. Obviously, I was basing that off of Indian consumer market research. That's why I said that's the type of phone that Apple should make if they want to see uh, Indian market penetration. And well, as I'm sure you know, Apple has great market research themselves, and that's exactly what they created in this phone. So overall, I agree with all the moves they made. I would have liked to see a slightly lower price point. I was thinking maybe $699 instead of $749, but they still have the uh, older phones that are at the lower price point as well. But I think the key for Apple in India, because I talked about how they really have... I don't want to say failed, but I think that's really the best word for it. They they haven't succeeded, that's for sure, in India. They only have about 1% market share. They have, you know, the top 1% of consumers in India who can afford to spend $1,000 on a phone. That's who they've captured. But if they want to expand, they're going to need to lower their prices because obviously while the Indian economy is very rapidly growing and there's a huge number of consumers, just, you know, the majority of them cannot afford a $1,000 phone. It doesn't matter. Uh, they're, they're probably a decade away from being able to afford $1,000 phones in India. So at this point, if you want market penetration in India, you want market share, you're going to need to lower the price. They're competing with Xiaomi and Samsung and other um, phones, or Vivo, uh, from Chinese and Korean companies that are charging somewhere between 400 to 600-ish is kind of the range. So Apple is still on the premium end at 750, but obviously much more reasonable. And the thing is, I think Apple's core strategy here needs to be going after kind of the top 5%. So instead of just having 1% market share, the top 1%, they need to be going after the top 5%. So they're still going after the higher end, uh, wealthier, uh, Indian consumer, but it's obviously a much larger market. And if they can get that 5% market share, that's another, you know, you could, if I, I kind of ran some numbers, that's another maybe 15 billion ish a year in revenue, which obviously for Apple, you know, they're going to probably do 250 billion in revenue this year. So it's, you know, nothing that Apple does is going to be any crazy increase in their growth. But you know, when you're a trillion dollar company, you've got to find growth in places and it's not always easy. But $15 billion, while relative to the rest of their to the to the size of the overall company is not a lot. It trust me, it fifteen billion dollars is fifteen billion dollars. So that's what's at stake for Apple right now, and that's why I agree with their moves. Now, obviously, a big part of it is going to be actually seeing if the phones sell. It's a great phone, but they have a lot of competition in India, so we'll have to see how well the lower-priced phone with all the same features or very close to the same features as the uh, 10s and 10s Max is able to do in India. And obviously, the 10R will probably do very well in the U.S. for people who want the 10 and want a lot of the features but aren't quite ready or willing to pay that $1,000 price point. It's a good alternative. They, they, the iPhone SE sold really well. Uh, the 5C did not do that well, but the SE was a really good alternative for people who wanted an iPhone but weren't willing to spend, you know, $800 back in the day. So that's that's my thoughts on the iPhone, on the iPhones, I should say. The the I in iPhone now stands for India because that's what Apple cares about. They have markets. They have saturated the market in North America and in Europe very much as well too. Their focus is on Asia, on India and China, where they have not been nearly as successful. So that's where their focus is. And I'm sure we will continue to see them pull out new strategies as to how they can gain market share over in those budding 
economies. Okay, so let's talk about the Apple Watch, uh, Apple Watches, because this is the biggest thing to me, and this is really where we're gonna see, you know, like I said, Apple's right now, they're a trillion dollar company, uh, market cap wise, but they're also up, you know, 250 billion in revenue. So they're not gonna see any type of 50% annual growth really ever again obviously unless they drop off but at this size it's just not going to happen so their their goal is to find an extra two percent three percent here and there because that's what happens when you get this size and that's fine obviously you know you're making so much money it's it's expected but they've got to still continue to find growth and right now the place where they're going to find growth in the saturated iPhone market in North America and Europe is with the Apple Watch because that is another revenue stream that they can uh, create for themselves and that I think they will. So I'm going to talk about the Apple Watch Series 3, the older one, but first I'm going to talk about the Series 4. So the Series 4, it's probably the most advanced on the market. I'm sure there's a couple out there by smaller companies that might be better, but for the most part, um, if you look at watches that have similar features to the Series 4, they all come in at $600, $700 or more. So the for the Series 4 to come in at, four, at $399, uh, obviously depends which one you get, but it's starting at $400, bucks. you can get yourself a watch from Apple with Apple's watch OS that if you were to get the same fe hardware features in another watch that doesn't have watch OS and obviously Apple's OS is very good you're going to be spending six seven hundred eight hundred dollars so that's you know not normal for Apple normally right the iPhones are the most expensive on the market but obviously they're a premium product if you want the premium product in this case you can actually still go to Apple and not have to spend six hundred dollars or more so good <laughs> but the the main thing with the apple watch series 4 is you know the amount of health tech in the watch makes it a no-brainer for people who are already willing to spend that type of money on a competitor's watch right you have the garments which cost like i said like like 600 plus and they're very good watches they have tons of great features but they're, they're expensive and so if you're deciding between a garmin and you're that higher end consumer who's really into the health and fitness watches and really wants the best well now with the new uh ekg monitor and all the new health uh features in the uh, watch os you're going to be willing to switch over to Apple and it's even at a lower price. So it's going to be a no-brainer for those customers. But overall, not even the 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 niche market that is like the super fitness people, just the general consumer is increasingly health conscious, which makes this, you know, it's a very useful tool for people looking to track consistent data about their health you know they're they're adding even more hardware but what the hardware allows developers for watch os to do is it allows them to greatly expand their software's capabilities which strengthens apple's ecosystem even more if you want fantastic health apps you have to go to apple because they have the hardware and now they have the software you know, Garmin might have the hardware, but they don't have third, you know, hundreds of thousands of third party developers like Apple does. So that's the distinct advantage that Apple is building for itself by increasing the amount of tech, health tech that's inside their watches. You know, those that are looking for the ultimate health watch can now look no further than Apple, but also the general consumer who is just looking for a good watch that does everything 
Apple is the one to go to. And this is exposing yet another lucrative consumer race, right? The people who are willing to spend hundreds of dollars on, on, on smartwatches are now very likely to go to Apple if they haven't already. Now, the even bigger thing to me, the, the, the Series 4 is a great watch, but the bigger thing to me is the Series 3, what they did with that. So the Series 3, which is obviously the older generation, uh, has a lot of the same features. It doesn't have the EKG monitor, and it has a slightly smaller screen, but overall, it's still a very good watch compared to the competitors. But the key is they dropped the price down to 279 starting. So you can get the 38 mil, the smaller one for 279 or the 42 millimeter for 310, I believe. You know, 300 bucks basically for an Apple watch and for a great, great watch. They're providing a top of the line watch at a fair price. And, you know, like I said, they have their $400 plus watch for the consumer that is looking for an upgrade that isn't majorly impacted by price. They just want what's the best uh, product on the market. But now they have an entry point for the millions of consumers that have never actually owned a smartwatch and are kind of teetering on the edge. A lot of people are debating whether or not they need a watch. You know, most people have their smartphone, but very few people relative to the to the customer base have a have also have a watch this could be the tipping point that says hey now you can get one for 300 bucks it's not that much and it's going to last you at least two years so really you're paying like 150 bucks a year for this fantastic watch a lot of consumers are probably going to switch over and or not switch over but but convert that never actually made the leap before this is a brilliant strategy apple's next move as i discussed before is away from iphones or beyond iphones i should say and into wearables like the apple watch and potentially ar glasses you know in the coming years but right now the focus is on the watch and by app adding Apple Watch users to the ecosystem, they are adding yet another stream of recurring revenue from current Apple customers. You know, millions of people who own iPhones upgrade every other year, right? Say, you, you know, the average, um, let's talk about the, the North American and European customers. If they're spending, I believe their ASP is about $800 um, per phone right now in North America. So if it's $800, obviously most people, their phones last two years, they skip one, uh, generation. Like I, myself, I have the 10, I'm not going to be getting the 10 or the 10 S max. I'll skip next year when they come with the iPhone 11 or whatever they call it. Uh, I will probably upgrade then. So if the ASP is $800, you divide it by two, that's 400 bucks a year by adding another device that consumers will want to upgrade on the same kind of cycle they're adding another three to five hundred dollars to that spending cycle so instead of the average consumer spending eight hundred dollars over the course of two years with apple they're going to be spending twelve hundred dollars or eleven hundred dollars with apple they're increasing revenue from their already loyal customers the challenge has always been in getting customers to make the leap but once you own a watch it's hard to go back you know the apple watch is a great product there's no doubt about that but it's a question of desire and utility for the customer right how much do they want it how much do you really need it but the number of people who would buy a watch once 
once and then never buy it again and say, eh, I don't need it is very low. You know, once you get a taste, it's it's like you, no one takes one bite of a candy bar and stops. It's like if you don't want to eat the candy bar, don't take any bites at all because it's very hard to take one bite and then not eat the rest of it or eat half of it, right? It's once you get a taste of the Apple Watch at the 279 price, they get you hooked. They get you in. Now, in a couple of years, when they come with the Series 5 or whatever, you're going to say, hmm, that one looks really good. Or maybe you get the 3 and then you realize, oh, I want all the extra tech that's in the 4. And then next year, you know, when they when they come with the new generation and the 4 drops from uh, 400 bucks to 350 or whatever, you say, ah, 350 I'll upgrade. I'll do it. I want the extra tech. That is what Apple is doing here. They are trying to, you know, take a little nibble and get your your sweet tooth to take over and get you hooked on Apple Watches year for years to come. And if they're successful in doing so, it's just increasing Apple's customer lock-in overall. You know, lock-in is a topic that I don't discuss too often, but when it comes to business strategy, especially for businesses of uh, Apple's size, lock-in is crucial. You know, lock-in, for those who don't know, is the practice of decreasing a customer's willingness or ability to switch to a different like product or service. And Apple already has a lot of lock-in through iOS. You know, if you want to use iOS, then you need an iPhone. If you want to have uh, blue text messages and group chats, then you're going to need iMessage, which is only available on the iPhone. Uh, or obviously, it's on, on Macs too, but you need an Apple product if you want iOS, iMessage, whatever, right? That's kind of the idea there. And lock-in is a core part of their strategy. And like I said, larger companies really focus on lock-in because you can't just focus on growth. You need to make sure that you don't lose any of your old customers. You know, a good example of lock-in for me is actually in, in counter to Apple, right? I've thought about trying Apple Music for a while. I've heard a lot of great things. I've heard it's gotten a lot better. Obviously, it works well with all Apple devices, but I've been with Spotify for years now, and I have thousands of songs split into dozens of playlists, and I have all my music preferences worked out perfectly on Spotify. I don't want to have to recreate all that when I switch to Apple Music, which is kind of, you know, I'm going to have to do. I don't want to have to remake playlists and add thousands of songs. It's too much work. It's too much effort for the, you know, maybe slightly better service. So that's a perfect example of lock-in on Spotify's front. They very much know that once you're able to hook that customer in, it's very unlikely that I'm going to switch to another music service unless it's way cheaper or way better in some way, which in the case of Apple, I believe it's pretty much the same price. And uh, it might be slightly better, but I don't think it's anything crazy different. You know, another example that is even more uh, prescient would be Dropbox. I'm going to use this as a firsthand example as well. because So our company uses Dropbox, right, to share all of our files and, you know, for client projects, internal projects, whatever. As you might imagine, and uh, if you've used Dropbox on a team, uh, on, on teams before, you know, the number of files has quickly reached the tens of thousands over time, you know. So, you know, if we have a team that's working on a project, then the programmers and designers can sync up files really easily, or the project manager can quickly pop in and review things before they get sent out to a client, whatever, right? And we have, you know, systems and tons of organization in place all revolving around the Dropbox platform. So for us to switch off of Dropbox for another product or company, whatever, you know, it would take, it would have to be a significant improvement in our 
uh, experience for us to do so because it's not just the lock-in of one person but entire teams of people within a company you know we would have to set up new systems and processes and train everyone on how to use the new system and you know that's something that we don't want to do and most companies are not going to want to do and so that's a fantastic example of lock-in on Dropbox's part they know that once they get people in and they get teams in working on uh, their platform it's very 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 unlikely that people will leave for a competitor because of the amount of friction that exists in doing so and you know those are just a couple examples but this exists everywhere and that is exactly what apple i believe is trying to do here they're trying to one obviously add another revenue channel on top of from their you know current customers that are very loyal in upgrading their iphones consistently they want to make them also buy apple watches consistently but also once you have the iphone and the apple watch and then you get some airpods and you're you know you're in the full apple ecosystem so it would take a lot for you to switch off of the apple ecosystem you know it's it's i don't know too many people who switch off it's it's pretty rare and most of the time when they do it's because they're the type of person that's you know very it's 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 the niche group of people who are always trying to test the latest hardware whatever so maybe they'll try out you know uh the google pixel or some samsung phone but for the most part i'm sure most of as as if you're an iphone user or all of your friends who use iphones people typically don't switch off of iphones very often and so if you add an apple watch into the mix it just adds on to that lock-in even more anyways that is the core strategy for apple that's what i was impressed by i think it will work especially at that lower price point for the for the three and then obviously they're definitely going to nail the higher end consumer of the more expensive series four because the people who are willing to spend that money are definitely going to want an apple watch because it's really the best uh smart watch out there at this point so overall apple clap clap very good as always, uh, their strategy seems to be very on point. You don't get to be a trillion dollar company without masterful strategy. So it makes sense. Anyways, before we go any further, let's take a quick break. So right now, you're listening to me give in-depth strategic analysis on Apple. But what if I told you that we, MGR, could do just that for you, except it would be much more comprehensive and thorough because obviously, you know, we don't work with Apple. Although Apple, if you're listening, we'll, glad you ta- we'll gladly take you on as a client. Um, but yeah, let me just tell you a little about, about what we do. We're a full service marketing agency. And by full service, I really mean it. We can help you with your creative, ad creative, your company strategy. We even build entire web platforms for clients that need it. If you want to take your business to the next level, that's what we do. That's what MGR does. So if you want to get in contact with us, I've decided uh, you can just email me personally, david at mgragency.com. You can send me a simple one-liner, you know, listen to your podcast, interested in what you do, or you can, you know, you can be that person who sends a full trilogy explanation of what you need. I promise I will read the whole thing. Either way, whatever you want to do, david at mgragency.com. Uh, just send me an email if you want to chat. We will get back to you very quickly. All right, let's get into some news. It's time for the news. 
Uber this week unveiled new logos and branding for their company. Because if there's one sign of a great company that has their priorities straight and a clear focus for the on the future, it's when they change their logo for the third time in two years. Changing the font on the U is really going to get customers excited. You know, they're definitely going to start thinking, wow, what a great company. I really want to go to them for all my transportation needs. I mean, would you just look at that font? I'm only partly kidding, but really, Uber, I mean, come on. The logo and the branding is not the problem here. That's not what's holding you back or or uh, limiting your growth with customers. Your focus needs to be on expanding your platform and its offerings and reaching profitability on your current offerings, not rebranding for the third time. What was wrong with the old logo? I liked it. I thought it was fine. Listen, we're a, we're a marketing agency, so I'm never against rebranding. But when you're doing it for the third time in two years, I'm going to tell you right now, that's not what's causing your problems. Anyways, I'm not trying to pick on Uber here, but come on, third, three times in two years, just, just pick a logo and go. It doesn't matter that much. All right, so the other news story that I wanted to talk about was the Chinese so-called Tesla killer, NIO, spelled N-I-O. Uh, they did not have a very good week. I talked about them a little over a month ago now, I think, and, you know, I heeded caution because while they have promise, they are very far away from catching Tesla or being a Tesla killer. You know, they only have one model in production right now. It's an SUV. It costs like 65,000 entry, but really if you get like a like after expenses, it's like 70000 or more. So it's not even a, you know, it's, it's an expensive car. It's not a lower priced offering. So they only have that one model and they've had trouble meeting production expectations. Sound familiar? Yeah, apparently it's not that easy to build assembly lines and factories from scratch for electric vehicles. We've, I talked about Ford having this problem. Obviously, Tesla has had some issues. This company is too. But they were hoping to raise $1.8 billion this week when they went public, but they fell far short of that. They raised just about $1 billion. Now, a billion sounds like a lot, and don't get me wrong. Obviously, a billion dollars is a ton of money. But when you're a company like NEO who's trying to break into the incredibly competitive com- uh, car market you know, space while you're also burning $800 million a year. That's how much they lose every year. They're not close to being profitable at all. You know, $1 billion starts looking like a lot less. Maybe people should cut Tesla some slack because it doesn't seem too easy to run an electric car company after all. And I'm not a Tesla shareholder, but I think people need to, to lay off Tesla a little bit. And this Tesla killer so-called... Uh, is not doing too well either. In fact, my bet would be that Tesla survives a lot longer than Neo does. Anyways, that's all for the news this week. If you guys did enjoy this episode, please leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. And if you enjoyed and you know anyone else who you think might also enjoy it, just uh, send it, just share it, you know, text them, email it, doesn't matter, I don't care how you do it, just one, just one person, whoever you think would enjoy it. Thank you guys so much for listening, I will see you next time.